On the Way Home is proudly supported by Ellis Dong Community Builders, a group formed within the Ellis Dong group of companies to assist those who wish to deliver affordable and sustainable housing by providing development management services and leveraging Ellis Dong's turnkey cradle-to-grave project capabilities. We incorporate all that a world-leading development, construction, and building services company has to offer to provide innovative and sustainable developments that connect and energize communities. Our offering is not simply a development and construction solution. It's a holistic and comprehensive approach that ensures the delivery of assets that communities can be proud of. To learn more, please visit www.communitybuilders.ellisdon.com. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squahomish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to On The Way Home's Special Election 44 series. Join co-host Stefania Secha from the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness and Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door as they interview various experts about the critical election issues related to Canada's housing and homelessness crises. Be informed when you head to the polls. Now enjoy this special election episode of On The Way Home. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am one of your hosts, Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door. And as always, I am joined by the wonderful Stefania from CAEH. Stefania, how are you? I'm good, Michael. How are you doing today? Good, good. These are uh, indeed busy times. I think even more mm-hmm. uh, for you in the Alliance. Uh, what's going on at the Alliance? Well, we are in the throes of the election. You know, when the election started, uh, was it August 16th? It was, you know, quiet. Folks are still on vacation away. And now we are in the throes of September. Everyone is very aware. Everyone's paying attention. So we're just making the most of that with our vote housing campaign, which I encourage everyone to check out votehousing.ca. But Michael, I know you folks are really busy as we think about more of like the practical side of um, voting and what you folks are doing at Blue Door. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, and it feeds into our our guests today. Mm -hmm. Um, For many years, when it comes to elections, we've been uh, fortunate enough to have Elections Canada come in. They'll set up booths. And uh, for people experiencing homelessness at Blue Door, they're able to get their vote in. Um, And so many of our clients, they want their voices heard, and that's a great way to do it. And this year has been a little different, which is so cool. And Elections Canada has been great to say, all right, how are we going to make this work? So they're going to be dropping off uh, these mail-in ballots that we can fill out. Then they'll pick them up. It's, uh, yeah, it's wonderful to work with uh, the organization, which leads us, which is a great segue into today's guest. You want to hear about them? I cannot wait. (laughs) Today, we are joined by David LeBlanc, who is the Assistant Director for Stakeholder Mobilization at Elections Canada where he's been working on reducing barriers to electoral participation for Canadians for many years. Before joining the Federal Public Service, David worked on food security and human rights issues in Northern Thailand. David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here and an exciting time to do it. 
Yeah, agreed. So as you know, you'll be kicking off the first of our election series. So we're so, so appreciative to have you join us on the show today. First of all, can you tell us a bit about yourself and particularly what it means to work in stakeholder mobilization? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have been with Elections Canada for uh, about 12 years now. Uh, and before that, I did work in Northern Thailand, working with displaced farmers and community leaders on food security and human rights issues, which was an absolutely wonderful experience. Uh, I then uh, moved back to Ottawa, Canada here and where I am now. Uh, and I've been working with Elections Canada since then, but in various uh, capacities, different roles. Um, but I have been working in this present role in stakeholder mobilization since 2013. And stakeholder mobilization is just kind of really a term we use for uh, outreach in, in many senses. But one of the things I guess uh, makes it different is because we're a very small team uh, at Elections Canada, and Elections Canada itself, when compared to other agencies and, and most other agencies and departments in the federal public service, we're actually quite a small uh, unit as a whole. Um, but we have a national mandate, so we're really small. And uh, early on, we figured out uh, a few key lessons, uh, one of which is that um, we are not uh, the experts in a great many things uh, that are not elections related, um, including uh, lived experience of, let's say, electors with disabilities or youth and, and things like that. So um, we had to come up with a strategy about how we can effectively uh, reach folks uh, that are in certain demographics within Canadian society that face more pronounced barriers to electoral participation when compared to the general population in Canada. Um, so that's kind of what we say, uh, stakeholder mobilization. Uh, my team doesn't work typically directly with electors, individual electors. We um, you know, we have a really broad, uh, expansive advertising campaign that, that uh, you know, very much universal design and, and really tries to get out to, to everyone. Um, but what I work with, uh, my team is I get to work with really switched on organizations that work within those demographics, so certain populations in, in Canada that face those barriers. Uh, and we rely on their expertise and their knowledge and oftentimes uh, their embeddedness within those communities to help us uh, get the word out about um, where, when, and ways to register and vote, for example, and how their members can uh, participate in Canadian elections. So uh, a little more specifically how we do that is um, what we listen a lot. Everything that we do is uh, evidence-based. So we go back after an election, we conduct post-mortems and see how the election went. We talk to folks. Uh, we talk to these organizations uh, that, that work with the, the populations that face these barriers. And we're constantly trying to improve uh, the way that we offer our services. So uh, that's where my team operates. Now, there's a distinction between my team, which works at the national level, and we work in between elections, during the election, before and after. Once an election gets called, the authority uh, to deliver the election gets delegated from the Chief Electoral Officer of Canada down to returning officers in all 338 uh, electoral districts across the country. So in terms of actual individual services that are being offered, like where the policy, where the rubber hits the road, so to speak, that's determined by the, the returning officers. So um, one of the things that we really encourage folks uh, from these communities or representing these communities or embedded within these communities to do is to make sure that they do 
connect with the returning officers to make sure they're aware of the services and make sure the returning officer is aware of their communities and their electoral needs. And then, uh, as Michael pointed out, we really do everything we can to uh, ensure the accessibility of the vote. That is uh, so informative. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. And listen, what we're hoping people will get out of today's podcast episode are concrete ways people with no fixed address can vote. So first of all, I'm wondering if you could step through some of the barriers Elections Canada is trying to navigate in order to make voting more accessible. Absolutely. So uh, as I'm sure you folks and, and your audience can imagine, there are uh, or there certainly can be many barriers that people um, experiencing homelessness uh, might encounter. So um, not the least of which uh, is the logistical and administrative component of having a physical address to cast the ballot. So under the Act, uh, the Canadian Elections Act, all uh, electors must be registered to vote. And in order to do that, you, you, you have to have an address. Now, that being said, uh, you know, everyone can vote. Now, I'll, I'll speak more on that a little bit later. But um, we just simply, Elections Canada needs to be able to place an elector in a spot. Uh, the reason for that is there's integrity issues, you know, to, to help us ensure that nobody's voting twice. And, um, and frankly, it, there, there's the democratic reason of we, we live in, a, in um, a representational system where we vote for a member of parliament, a local member of parliament, of which um, the political party that receives the, the most seats, meaning the most members of parliament get voted in, well, their leader becomes prime minister. So you want to situate that elector to the appropriate member of parliament. So there's there's all sorts of reasons why uh, an address is necessary, but we fully recognize that that very fact could produce uh, or certainly does produce barriers for certain electors. So um, we we know uh, the logistical component of not having an address is a barrier in and of itself. Another barrier that people without fixed addresses may face is uh, just access to information about the election. So a lot of Canadians are going to be familiar with the voter information card, for example. So this is a card that gets ma um, mailed to every single registered elector uh, before the election, and it has all their polling site information, where to vote, when to vote, um, and the accessibility features uh, that'll be available at that polling site, uh, and phone numbers to reach out, you know, in case you have any issues or concerns. So obviously, uh, it, if you don't have a fixed address that, that we're aware of, you won't get that voter information card. And, and that, you know, is, is a barrier itself. Um, we also know that uh, people might have difficulty getting information simply about the election, where, when, and ways. So, come, you know, starting at, uh, very soon, uh, Canadians across the country that are registered electors are going to start to get uh, information booklets that just kind of outline all the different ways you can vote. So in this election, electors will be very familiar with elect voting on election day at an assigned poll, which is a very uh, common and, and the most typical way that people have voted in the past. At advanced polls, which take place for, uh, on the weekend prior to election day. So I believe that's September 10th to 13th, the Friday, Saturday and Sunday, Monday before the election. Uh, so again, that's a signed poll that you would uh, go to and vote in advance. Uh, you can also vote by mail, which we've tried to make easier for this election. You can register online to receive a, a kit, your ballot kit, which you fill out and then drop uh, postage paid in any mailbox, uh, you know, Canada Post uh, mailbox uh, to get to us. 
you can go to an Elections Canada office and there are hundreds across the country that are open right now. You can go and vote, in fact, right now at those Elections Canada offices. Uh, you vote by special ballot there. Uh, and uh, yeah, we want to make sure that Canadians know all these ways because especially in this pandemic context, we're asking electors to have a plan. So just to be aware of the election and to give some thought about how you think you might be able to vote. Unfortunately, with uh, electors without a permanent residence right now, um, getting access to that information could be problematic. So that's a barrier. Uh, knowing what ID is required to vote is a barrier uh, for uh, uh, many demographics uh, and certainly uh, electors without um, uh, a fixed address or currently experiencing homelessness, that can be a barrier. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, and another thing that many uh, Canadians who aren't habitual voters um, could face is an overall unfamiliarity with the voting process. So voting can be an intimidating uh, for, for first time voters. Uh, you know, simple things about um, uh, feelings of insecurity walking into a polling site, not knowing what to do, where to stand, what you can say or can't say, you, you know, you, you might have these, these uh, apprehensions. So uh, those are um, things to consider not feeling welcome in a polling site. So depending on where that polling site is, it might present a barrier to you. Um, and there's ways that we, we like to try to address that barrier. We, uh, at Elections Canada, we're committed to staffing our polling sites with people that are from the community, part of the community and represent the community so that when you walk in, a welcoming thing to have is to see a familiar face or someone you recognize. So. Um, you know, uh, having a, folks that are experiencing homelessness working the polls is a wonderful way to um, help make the rest of, uh, of, of, of that community feel welcome when they walk into a polling site where they can see their, their friend or neighbor or, or whoever. Um, so that's something that, that we, we try to do to address that barrier, but it, it, we acknowledge it that not feeling welcome in, in a polling site is a real thing and something we're aware of. Um, that being said, again, you know, I have to say that there's a big role that uh, organizations that provide services for electors experiencing homelessness can, can play a big role in this. So I identified uh, the barriers that exist um, for getting knowledge about the election and information about the election. We work with organizations to try to get them the information so that they can amplify it and share it with their members, members of their communities. Um, in between elections, there's a lot, and in, in, in preparation for elections, there's a lot of things that can be done. For example, we work with a wonderful organization called the Democratic Engagement Exchange um, out of Toronto. Uh, they're a national organization and they have a couple wonderful programs. Uh, one of which is something called Vote Pop-Up. So this is a vote simulation um, activity where uh, organizations can have, uh, you know, organize an activity where they set up essentially like a mock polling site uh, and they can just walk through participants uh, what the process is like because once you become familiar with it, it kind of demystifies the, the whole experience and, and, and the hope is that it makes it less intimidating. So uh, that's an example of one way that organizations uh, within uh, the, uh, the homeless community can help us is uh, to, to share information, look into helping us run these programs uh, and um, yeah, hopefully 
getting the word out uh, about where ways and, and when to register and vote. And then very briefly, the last thing I'll talk about, because it falls mostly outside of Elections Canada's mandate, which might surprise some, but another big barrier for uh, this community is uh, motivation. And, and that's not isolated to this community. There are many demographics within Canadian society that face this, but um, just not feeling motivated to vote. And there's all sorts of you know, reasons given for this. My vote doesn't matter. What is it? You know, it's not worth it and, and things like this. Um, but again, there are uh, things out there that can really help with this. And, and I'll, I'll give a shout out again to uh, um, Apathy is Boring, who have a great information campaign for youth in particular around this issue. Uh, again, the Democratic Engagement Exchange have a wonderful product called Democracy Talks that really seeks to make civic engagement accessible for a broad set of audiences uh, because it doesn't ask you to vote. It asks you a very simple and accessible question, which is what matters to you? That's a question every single person can answer. You don't have to be an expert on anything to speak from the heart uh, about what's important to you. And it then goes on to uh, an activity-based experiential learning activity based on talking about the things that are important to you and then draws a connection to how, you know, maybe part, the different ways you can participate to see these, the, the, the world become a way that you'd like it to be um, and where voting might fit in in that. So it's, uh, it's a great thing and, and, th and uh, something I'd like people to be aware of. So that's, uh, you know, the democratic engagement exchange. So those are just uh, some of the barriers I've highlighted. Uh, that I think are most relevant. And I've, I've dabbled a little bit on, on um, how we address them, but I'll give a few more uh, uh, details later on for, for sure. Absolutely. And thank you, David, for such a thorough answer. I thought that was amazing. And it's it's just nice to know that you folks are aware of them as well and are working on them. It's just, of course, um, you folks, like you were saying, are it's, it's you're a small organization considering what you're taking on. And I love that you noted motivation because I think that's definitely something uh, folks should consider. And so thank you for identifying those campaigns we can check out. Um, so I, I kind of want to start us off with sort of a, now that we're kind of getting to the more practical questions around how to make uh, voting accessible for folks uh, with no fixed address. So my first question is, where can people go to find out if they're eligible to vote? Well, that's a simple question to answer. If you are a Canadian citizen, 18 years and older as of September 20th, the date of the election, you are eligible to vote bar none. So that's a really important thing. Uh, many people might not know this, but Canada actually has one of the most accessible voting systems in the world when considering this, meaning um, there is only one individual in all of Canada who fits that criteria, uh, that they're 18 years old and Canadian citizen and cannot vote, and that is my boss, the Chief Electoral Officer of Canada. Every single other person in Canada that is a uh, citizen that is 18 years and older can vote. Um, and having a fixed permanent address is not a requirement. Now you do need a piece of, you do need identification to situate at a home address. Um, but we'll talk about how that can be achieved. But I, I just want, that's a key message. If you are a Canadian citizen, 18 years and older, you are eligible to vote. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, 
Complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Listen, I hope it never comes down to there's one, you know, we need one vote to break a tie because, uh, I mean, we'd have to lean on, on your boss and, and maybe yeah. that rule. Hasn't happened yet. I don't think it will. Uh, David, if someone is experiencing homelessness or living in a shelter, what are they supposed to do if they have ID, but it doesn't have a, an address or, or a, a current address on? What other, what other forms of ID are acceptable? Sure. So let's talk about um, the entire ID regime, just so people, I, I don't want to uh, cast assumptions about the various types of ID that people had. So I'm going to give a lot of examples because I know how, how diverse um, you know, the community can be about folks that are experiencing homelessness. So I, I, I don't want to make sure I leave anything out. But the, the most common option, of course, it, uh, I think most um, electors are familiar with is that one golden piece of ID, which is in the act. It's that it has your name, your current address, and a photo. So that's in the act. It, it's, so it's legislation that determines that. Um, so the one piece that most people think of, of course, is driver's license. Now, um, I, recognizing that, uh, so here's one thing I'll, I'll, I'm gonna say right off the bat, I think it's a really important piece uh, of information. Elections Canada accepts expired ID. This is really important. So the other thing I'll mention is that you can only vote once in Canada, that's obvious. Um, and you vote for where you consider your home. So if you're, if you're temporary, if you're, um, oh, you're a student, okay? You're, you're, you're a student abroad, um, you know, maybe you haven't landed in residence, you know, maybe you're staying on the couch of a friend or family member, um, you're, you're migrant laborer, you're, you're working um, in temporary camps somewhere uh, far from home. Um, you can still vote uh, if you have your driver's license, even though you're not currently residing there, uh, you can vote for your, your home uh, electoral district at an Elections Canada office or vote by mail, because uh, we'll send the ballot anywhere, right? So even if you're not living it uh, where you consider home, we'll send it. You just punch that in, in in your address and we'll send it to where you are. So um, we accept expired ID. It just has to have the address on it that you want to vote for, where you consider home, Okay. So that, that's the important thing. Now, apart from that, um, option number two is a broad list. And when I say broad, there are over 50 pieces of identification on, uh, that are accepted at the polls um, that help you prove your identity and address. So uh, I would encourage everyone to, to go to elections.ca to check out that, that list. Uh, and I'll, I'll just give a few examples because when I, when I say broad, I'm not kidding. So there's a lot of ones that people think are, are, are likely like uh, social insurance number cards, birth certificates, uh, health cards, etc. But there's some that folks might find less uh, obvious. For example, um, status and band cards are accepted, library cards, hospital cards, and even a pill bottle with a prescription label on it with your name that can uh, serve as proof of identity, bus passes, Common ones are cell phone and utility bills. You know, again, some folks might have uh, um, mobile phones, right? From wherever they are. Um, we accept those as ID, employee cards, all sorts of things are on that list. Um, and again, it's the determination is, is where you consider home. Those things have to line up in the sense that you, you make the decision where you consider home. 
and then you need the ID to back that up. So that is the second option um, in, in terms of, of producing ID uh, at the polls. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, folks can um, either have that ID already or they can uh, have enough time uh, now before the election to, to secure some of that uh, ID. And that leads me directly into my next question. Great segue from you, uh, unintentionally. We, we have a lot of clients at Blue Door and I'm sure at a lot of um, emergency housing providers throughout the country that come in with absolutely no identification. Uh, and that's a bit of an issue when we try and get them healthcare, et cetera. Uh, what do they do on election day? in that case. Yes, absolutely. So um, another key message I want folks uh, to, to leave with is show up to vote. And, and that means um, we are going to try to make sure that you, you, you can vote. Now, um, the earlier you've decided to vote, the better. And if you've reached out to the returning officer in your ED, all the much more better because they will be able to communicate to you options. But um, we've thought of this. Uh, there is a third option. So, uh, you know, if you don't have your driver's license, fine. We have that big list of ID. If you don't have anything on there, that's still fine. What you need to do is you need to find a neighbor or friend that, that lives um, in, in where you consider home. So that would be assigned to the same polling station that, that you would be in your home. Uh, and they will uh, show up on election day at the polls uh, or advanced polls. And they would vouch for you. So there's a few criteria here. That individual who's vouching for you um, needs to be able to prove their identity and address. So they would, they would have to have that um, ID lined up. Uh, the other thing is they can, uh, one, they have to be, uh, as I said, assigned to the same polling uh, station. So you, you can't get someone, um, you know, living in Saskatchewan to come who's voting in Saskatchewan if you're living in downtown Toronto, for example. So uh, that's another thing is that the, you know, the intent is it, it, uh, that it's someone who knows you and, and is, is a neighbor type thing uh, or, you know, in your community where you're currently at. Uh, and lastly, uh, they can only do it for one person. So uh, you can't just, uh, uh, you know, show up at a polling site with, with a few friends and then vouch for all of them. It's just, just one at a time uh, per, per person, I should say. So um, those are the three criteria, but that's pretty much it. You know, it might take a little bit longer when you get to the polls because you do have to sign a couple declarations, but um, that's it. You're, you're, you're good to go after that. That's that's so great to know. And I'm just, I don't know if you're watching my face, but I'm just like learning so much because I thought I knew a lot about voting uh, and there's so much I did not know. So this has just been for me personally, very informative. Um, and I think I just wanted to highlight one more um, document that I'd love for you to talk about. And that is uh, the letter of confirmation of residence that's available to folks. Uh, so I have a three-part question related to this document. Who is that available to how can someone get it? And then how do they use it in order to vote at the polls? Great question, because this is uh, an extremely uh, important piece of ID for, for uh, the demogra this demographic in particular. So electors that are experiencing homelessness presently. Um, so to answer your first question, it is uh, available to everybody and what it is, everybody who needs it and what it is. Um, again, it was, we, we acknowledge that producing more traditional pieces of ID uh, might be difficult for some. And frankly, uh, a lot of this could just come down to timing. Like you just happen to be in between um, 
uh, places uh, and, and or even you know you might even have finally landed a place you finally you know got, got to rent a place a room in a place um, and you just haven't had a chance to get any mail switched over or, 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 or things like that but you're still getting services from um, one of the community organizations so uh, so here it is so the letter of confirmation is available on the elections Canada website so elections.ca uh, right now, our elections webpage is live. You click on the identification section. You're going to see all that big list of ID. And, and near the bottom, uh, you'll see a category of letters of confirmation. Well, you can click on there. It's going to take you to a PDF of the actual letter. So if you're an elector, you can print that out, fill it out, and then you have to get it signed uh, by uh, an institution who can essentially... Uh, um, uh, verify your claim that you are who you say you are and that you are a member of this community and, and reside in, in, in this area. Um, so uh, examples of, uh, of these institutions that can sign this um, letter are shelters, for example, uh, institutions that provide meal services, community-based residential facilities, and there's a couple others. So, so go and check. But this list is managed by the local returning officer. So I have a call to action for all your uh, audience uh, out there that um, think that they might qualify as an institution that could issue these letters. Um, please reach out to your returning officer and ask them, hey, you know, I work at this institution. We provide these services for electors facing homelessness. Um, are are we on uh, the the list uh, that you have? It's it's you know it's technically called the list of designated establishments, but you know just say hey, can we issue these letters of confirmation? Um, and they might either say yes or um, well, I don't know. You're not on the list. Tell me about who you are and what you do, and and then uh, you know if you qualify, then you get on the list. And what that means is. Um, you can then communicate to your members and say, hey, the election's coming up September 20th. If you'd like to vote and don't have ID, I have letters. And those um, you can write uh, en masse uh, as an institution, meaning you can hand them out to all your, your it's not just one, it, it's, it's, it's everybody. That's what they were designed for. So um, they, uh, that's the purpose is to, to make sure uh, that people have something. Now, that, those letters are important in the sense that they'll provide you uh, so if you have one of those letters, you formally fall under that uh, option two. So you will need one other piece of ID, but it doesn't have to have your address. So this is the library card. This is the bus pass, the pill bottle, the hospital bracelet, the anything else, anything that's on that list. Uh, if you can get your hands on it, you take that and that letter of confirmation, which provides you the uh, proof of address that you need, uh, then you're good to go. That's, that's a, uh, you're good to vote. So uh, that's the, 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 the hope, the call I'm putting out there. If you're one of these institutions, it would be great if you could familiarize yourself with these letters of confirmation. If you think that uh, you qualify to, to um, uh, issue them uh, and make sure that your members are aware of them so that they know to ask uh, and reach out to your local returning officer. Uh, and if you want to know how to do that, by the way, uh, on the election site right now, elections.ca, the first thing you'll probably see in the left-hand corner is the voter information box. You put your postal code in there or the postal code of your organization if you're uh, looking to see um, who your returning officer is. You click that. There's a button to press. Where is my Elections Canada office located? It'll have the contact information, the address, uh, and phone number. So please don't hesitate to reach out to them.
uh, yeah, and, that, and that's pretty much it. It's we know uh, it, it's it's very useful piece of, of documentation, uh, but maybe one that not a lot of folks are uh, aware of. So uh, a kind thank you for for mentioning it because it's an important one. Yeah, I agree because I was very familiar with the uh, vouching, um, but I think uh, you know the barrier for that is is sort of one per person, one voucher per person. So I feel like this letter of confirmation of residence is another alternative that hopefully folks can take advantage of. So yeah, thank you for explaining what that was because again, something new I learned uh, in preparing for today's podcast. So um, you know, I, I was kind of mentioning this earlier, but this federal election came up really quickly. I think for those in the know, they saw it coming, people who follow politics closely. Um, our organization, of course, because we're close with the federal uh, government as lobbyists, you know, we, we kind of saw it coming. But, um, and you mentioned the barriers earlier at the beginning of the podcast. So given what you focus on, and this is why we're so excited you were able to make time for us today, um, I'm wondering if you can share what else you're working on to make voting in future elections more accessible for folks experiencing homelessness or housing precarity. Yeah, that's great. So, um, I mean, obviously, right now during the election, that is 100% what we're focused on is the delivery of that election. But um, aside from that, um, you know, there's two analogies I like for Elections Canada. One uh, is that we're, we're essentially the referee in a big multi-party hockey game. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we watch the game and, and we, we make sure everyone's playing fair and things like that. Um, you know, that's, that, that's one. Uh, another is, is we're almost, in, in many senses, a huge wedding or, or major event planner. That's what it is. Everything's driving towards this big day. Um, the problem for us that we face, uh, and we are mandated to, to just, it's, you know, sentence one in our mandate, we have to be ready at all times. Well, in a minority context, we don't have a crystal ball. Um, we are at, at the mercy of, of the sitting government about when they call a, an election, and we just have to be ready. And as, as folks can probably imagine, this can present a lot of planning uh, and administrative challenges for us. Um, we're, we're, we're not new to this. We've been around since uh, over 100 year, years now, 1920. We're actually the, the oldest independent electoral management body in the world. Um, but this election in particular was a first for us, in, given that it is a first election in history that has been run during a global pandemic. Uh, so it's our first pandemic election. Um, and to exasperate all that, well, we were in a minority government. So we really didn't know, like you folks or folks that are engaged in politics, we we do um, try to read the tea leaves and such, but we don't have any inside information. It's, it's um, we just have to be ready to go and we have to make planning decisions uh, with the information that we have available at the time and, and just go with it. And, and we try to be dynamic and roll with the punches, but um, you know, this is the best we can do. So, uh, I mean, to, to answer more specifically your question, once we're, we're done and we get in between elections, um, we gotta be ready for the next one. Uh, so if it's another minority government, that means, you know, almost immediately we got to be ready to go again, just in case if a majority government gets elected, well, then we're, you know, there's a fixed state election in four years in October, uh, four years after, um, it gives us a little more time to, to plan things out and such, but no matter what's happening, the chief electoral officer is dedicated to, um, uh, an elector, uh, and, and stakeholder driven strategy about how we deliver things. Essentially, we want to understand the needs of Canadian electors and we want to work towards meeting those needs. And for us and my team in particular, that means uh, consulting 
folks that are experiencing these barriers, trying to understand their experiences with the electoral process and democratic participation, and seeing what we can do to remove those barriers. Uh, that, that's really important for us. So practically speaking, once the election's done, well, we're just, you know, in many ways, just getting started again on the next cycle. We go right into postmortems. Um, we're evaluating the election. We're talking to folks. We're, we're sending out surveys. We're, we're, we're trying to understand how things went. Once uh, we're, we're at Elections Canada, we're committed to evidence-based decision-making. So once we have this data, um, we have a lot of really smart folks that, that work really hard on figuring out what we can do. And, and times are changing and, and we have to adapt to, to meet the needs. So, for example, um, this election is the first time ever that you were able to order your vote by mail kit online. That was a new adaptation just because we anticipated a, um, you know, a higher demand for vote by mail because of the pandemic. So we're constantly trying to evolve. Um, so, uh, in that regard, you know, our door is always open if, if folks, uh, want to share their experiences that they have and, and suggestions about how, um, Elections Canada can make improvements. Now we always have to operate within the act. That's what we do. Essentially, when you boil it down, we administer the Canada Elections Act. So it's parliament who decides, uh, many key things, but you know, we have room to, to figure that out and how we can implement the things that are in the act. So that's where, um, the, the feedback's really important. And at the end of the day, Canada's democracy, our democratic health as a society is all of our responsibility. And we really need uh, everyone's feedback. And if people are silent on, on these issues, and frankly, um, for lots of obvious reasons, people that face barriers, a lot of times their voices don't get heard. Well, you know, we encourage um, those folks to step forward because we're, we're listening and we'll do what we can to to make the experience, uh, you know, as, as efficient, pleasurable, welcoming uh, as possible. So, uh, you know, that's our commitment. Hey, I believe it. That is passion, folks, right there. David, you've said this before, but let's say it again. Where can people go to find out more information? This is really important, Michael, so thanks. Elections.ca is the single authoritative source for information about the election. Now more than ever, if you're ever in doubt about if you see anything that raises an eyebrow, check us out at elections.ca. It is the authoritative source for information. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, uh, Facebook, YouTube, uh, you know, I won't give out the handles, but uh, you'll, you'll find us, we're there follow us. Uh, you'll get the most up-to-date information about it. And like I said, through elections.ca, you can connect with your local Elections Canada offices to make sure that you have that the most um, uh, directly relevant information to you in your specific situation. So please do uh, check us out, elections.ca. Well, David, again, thank you so much for making time in your very, very busy schedule as we're in the middle of a pan uh, pandemic election, first ever for Canada uh, on the federal front. And uh, again, just thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. This was important. I wouldn't miss it. Thank you so much for the work that you do and your organizations and, and frankly, the the work that some of the organizations that listen to this podcast do, it, it, it's valued and uh, it, wonderful opportunity for me to come and speak uh, passionately about uh, something I love to do. So thank you so much. Wow, I mean, that, I, I love to see it. Um, someone who's so passionate uh, about their job. And as you said to David, that was so informative. 
Um, I'm thinking you know, a pill bottle, really? That's that's incredible. And I, I kept thinking back to our clients, right? And and you know what are some possible things? And, and I mean, he was just going. I think taking a few things off the list. There's so many. So so what a great informative podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. I was really genuinely surprised about some of the things again, just thinking, you know, I've, it's not my first election, I used to cover elections. Um, but it's gen genuinely just so interesting to learn how much they've opened up um, the IDs that are that are usable. Sorry for the background noise. Um, so yeah, all of that was just really, really great. And before we sign off, I just wanted to take one tick. Uh, so this is the first of our election series. Next week, uh, we are going to have um, a, a day, an episode a day, basically. So today, we really wanted to start off with, uh, you know, voting, what it looks like. Um, as David mentioned in the podcast, the sooner the better that folks seek out that information register, um, prepare for the day um, is great. And then what next week will be dedicated to are the issues. So now that you know how to vote, how to access, uh, access voting, how to make voting more accessible for the folks you work with, we really want to focus on the issues uh, with a focus on the housing and homelessness crises. So I don't know about you, Michael, but I'm super psyched for our uh, interviews next week. Yeah, exciting times. And this podcast really is about awareness and education. And I think that uh, this series is going to do just that. So uh, looking forward to it. Well, another great episode of On The Way Home. We will talk to you very shortly. We'll see you next time. See you, Steph. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.